You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Cougars. Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. A lot to get to like usual. We look back at the USF win as BYU moves to 4-0. Our film review. What did we learn after re-watching the game? We'll get to that. We'll also catch you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports news outside of football and also an update where BYU checks in in the national rankings. So plenty to get to ahead on the show. Want to thank you guys right off the top for making Locked on Cougars your first listen every day and remember that Locked On Cougars is free and available on all platforms including soon to be on YouTube so check it out guys love being with you guys and without further ado let's get rolling here on a Monday this is the Locked On Cougars podcast for September 27th 2021 What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a big thank you once again for joining us right here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Hope your guys' weekend has been absolutely fantastic. This podcast, it's technically our Monday show, but we release it as soon as it's done on Sunday. And what we do during the season is Monday editions of the podcast, our film review. Monday. We look back at what we take away from the latest game for BYU football. The Cougars, they're 4-0. That is the good news. They're sitting at 4-0 on the season for the first time in program history. As we mentioned on our special edition postcast, BYU has started back-to-back seasons 4-0. They're making program history, folks. Some good times going on in Provo right now that we shouldn't overlook. Plain and simple, we should not be overlooking what BYU is doing. And I hope you guys join us every day, honestly. It's my goal here to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there. And the only way to do that is make sure you download the show every single day. We're available everywhere podcasts can be found. And as I mentioned in the open, soon enough, we're going to be on YouTube here. So a video format coming very, very soon. All right, let's dive into the film review now. And obviously, BYU up to 4-0 on the season. That is the good news. But there are both good and bad things to take away from this game against USF. And my first takeaway is that BYU, their spine on defense. And what I mean by that, I, I kind of associate the term spine more with soccer. And be it far from me to compare football to football, but let me explain. In soccer, there's a thought that the middle of your team, we're talking the midfield, the central defense, your goalkeepers, even up to your center forward, they have to be the strongest part of your team to make your team as good as it can be. Well, I think it's kind of a similar thing in American football. And when BYU doesn't have their starting nose tackle, maybe their best defensive end, their best linebacker potentially, they're all out. And we, have, of course, know that Keenan Peely has been lost for the season. Nice Mahe, as well as Tyler Batty. Those are the three individuals I'm referring to. We're out for last night's game or on Saturday night's game. Nonetheless, that may be why you much weaker on defense. And it allowed USF, to their credit, to really 
demolish BYU up front and keep moving the football. The fact that BYU only had three possessions in the second half was evidence that they were getting worn down on defense in this game. And the hope is that as you get Nisa Mahe back, Tyler Batty back, and hopefully some of the younger players who got extensive game action against USF, they'll learn from that game action that BYU will be better on defense against a team like Utah State. Is it a concern that another team may decide, you know what, we're going to play a ball control offense and really sit on the ball and attack BYU that way? There is a concern there. Absolutely. I would be concerned about it if you're a BYU fan. But I think a lot of teams, they just kind of play the way they want to. And I really felt like USF felt their only way to stay in this game. They fell behind 21-0 just like that. It was lights out in terms of the start for BYU. And from that point on, USF, I really think that their game plan shifted into we are going to hold on to the ball and see what we can do and to their credit they made it a one possession game so you cannot take that away from usf should be why you've played down to their level probably not and i think the defense very much looked more lackadaisical than they have in recent games uh probably the most lackadaisical effort on defense that i have seen so far from byu and lackadaisical probably is too stern of a word to put on them but nonetheless i felt like byu could have been better now BYU did not start another guy on the offensive line that I was surprised it did not start, and that's Connor Pay. Joe Tukuafu got all of the reps at right guard for BYU. I think Connor Pay may have picked up a slight injury, and then maybe he was similar to a guy like Nice and Mahe and Tyler Batty, where BYU said, you know what, we're okay. You take the week and get ready for Utah State next week. So I thought the offensive line for BYU, by and large, performed well. Losing Harris Lachance, we'll see what his status is. It was a little bit of friendly fire for him. If you guys will recall, that uh, near touchdown for Mason Wake, which would have notched his second touchdown of the game, came up inches short. He actually dove right into the legs of Harris Lachance, who was engaged on a block. It kind of looked like he inward, uh, turned Lachance's ankle inwards, which is never fun. And as a guy who has a, a right knee that is still not necessarily 100% from getting rolled into by a running back in high school, I can attest to how bad those injuries can be. The hope is that Harris Lachance, him having that ice on his foot and being on crutches, was more of a precautionary measure, keep his uh, swelling down, that type of stuff, and he's back. Let's run down the names, guys, I saw get dinged up in this game. Puka Nakua, I already mentioned Harris Lachance, Neil Pau, Caleb Hayes uh, came up lame twice. Caleb Christensen, he never returned after coming up lame on a kick return. Mason Wake, I thought he originally got injured when he tried to hurdle that guy and then later got hit down low on his leg. He was done after that. Uriah Leatawa uh, during the game also started favoring his arm for a little bit. He came back in. Caden Hawes went down but came back in. Also Gabe Summers. So a lot of guys, a lot of dings and dents. Also late in the game, John Nelson and DeAndre. Angelo Mandel were limping a little bit. They never left the game per se, but this was a game that's pretty costly in terms of dings and dents for BYU, and hopefully on a short week against Utah State, a number of these guys can battle through. I know that we are talking about guys who are competitors. They're absolutely going to get after it. They're going to be out there, if at all possible, on Friday. And of course, the chief concern now is, okay, is Jaron Hall going to be available for Utah State? What I was told last week is they were giving him this past game off against USF in the hopes that he would end up being available against Utah State. I'll have more for you you guys throughout the week. Anything I hear, I will pass along to you guys, but it's going to be all eyes on Jaron Hall. The good news is, if you have to play with Baylor Romney, you're going to complain at all. 300-yard performance in his first start in two years? It's pretty darn impressive. I really, really liked what I saw from him. 
Other things I took away from this, in terms of Romney, he's a true dual threat, folks. I think a lot of people out there kind of gave him a false moniker that he's a pocket-passing quarterback. Does he like to make plays from the pocket? Absolutely. He's more in the mold of a Zach Wilson where he prefers to make his plays from the comfort of that pocket, throw the ball downfield, that type of stuff. But he saw him. He absolutely can run. I've had people tell me he's one of the fastest guys on BYU's roster. Whether that's coach speak or them just uh, using some hyperbole there, I don't know, but he showed the ability to really scramble well when the opportunity was afforded to him. I liked what I saw from Baylor Romney. Really, really nice game. His accuracy was impressive. The only time I felt like his accuracy betrayed him was that final trip to the red zone for BYU in the second half. He had Puka Nakua on a little more of a deep slant, kind of a five-step slant, and he threw that ball high and wide. For the first time, it felt like all game long, he delivered a ball inaccurately, and then the following play, they tried to throw that fade route to Isaac Rex. Well, it was not meant to be for two weeks in a row because he overthrew that one badly as well. It seemed like those two throws might have been his worst throws of the game, and had he completed on either one of them, probably should have completed the Puka Nakua. Nakua was wide open on that slant. Would have given BYU a touchdown that pretty much seals up that victory, and we're talking about a 42-point performance for BYU on the night. So, I liked what I saw from Baylor Romney, and he will only get better from here if he does get another start this season, but all eyes on Jaron Hall, no doubt about that. Other things, I really thought Timmy McLean was impressive for a true freshman. The term I like to use when I see a guy like Timmy McLean, the opposing quarterback from USF, is the term slippery. Very, very slippery. And his ability to really scramble and make BYU defenders commit, and then he would uh, kind of work outside of them, or uh, D can jump outside. He was very, very good with his scramble ability. And one evidence of that slipperiness is four minutes left in the third quarter, John Nelson came free, essentially. He like, barely got touched on the snap. Comes free uh, from his nose, ta- not nose tackle, defensive tackle position, and he very nearly gets McLean on the sack. His hand slips off of McLean's jersey, and then McLean, as the lefty was scrambling left, just slings a pass downfield uh, from end up like a twenty-some-odd yard pass. Got down to the seventeen-yard line. Think about that. Had John Nelson been able to get him, but he just slips out of that tackle, and he did that all night long. So credit to Timmy McLean. I really thought he was impressive. I also was very impressed with USF's offensive line. They wore BYU's defense down, and BYU's defense, they're going to learn a lot from this one. I, I really think that they will have to go back to the drawing board and realize, you know what? we got to play with that laser edge, that focus we played with against Arizona State and Utah against everybody. We cannot afford to have a slip-up like we did against USF once again. So more in a moment. Uh, we'll talk more about individual players I thought stood out when i watching this. There was a lot I took away from this film review, despite the game actually being very short overall due to the long, lengthy drives that USF went on, especially in that second half. We'll get to more of that here in just a moment. Today's show, though, is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Not sure you guys have ever heard of Prize Picks, but you probably should check it out because it's daily fantasy made easy. It's absolutely incredible. It's a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anybody else in the world and offers all of the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you may not have heard of either. They offer any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even to interceptions thrown and beyond college football, they also offer other sports, NBA, NFL, all of that stuff. All you have to do is pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can win up to ten times back on any entry and it's really just you versus those projected numbers. So get to prizepicks.com right now and make your first deposit and you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. 
All you have to do to get that is use the promo code Locked On. It's that simple. 100% match on up to $100 at pricepicks.com using the promo code Locked On. Also, you can download their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. And the best part about this, your entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. So don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com and use the promo code Locked On for that 100% match up to $100. Or go to your App Store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at All Guard Pest Control. Absolutely love All Guard. They're the best of the best when it comes to the pest control game, my friends. No matter what you may be dealing with, whether it's wasps outside your home, you got spiders working their way inside, ants, cockroaches, termites, a vermin, whatever it is, All Guard Pest Control can handle it. They'll abate the problem. I can attest to it because I've done it in my very own home. Seth Baird is the owner. He's a big-time BYU fan, and he's got a great team of pest control experts experts. You guys can go on their website, by the way, allguardpestcontrols.com. That's allguardpestcontrols with an S. And it's a really cool feature they have on their website now. We actually can click on whichever pest you're dealing with, learn more about what to look for, the situation you might find yourself in, and how to go about working on the problem. It's a really, really cool resource. That's at allguardpestcontrols.com. And if you need their services, you can book them right there online, or you can give them a call anytime. 801-851-1812. That's 801 801- one eight five one one eight one two. All Guard Pest Control is based in Utah County, but capable of servicing anybody up and down the Wasatch Front Corridor, even under the Tooele and Wasatch Counties. If you guys need their help, they're there for you. So once again, that's 801-851-1812 for All Guard Pest Control or allguardpestcontrols.com. Make sure when you talk to them to tell them that Locked On Cougars and Jake Hatch sent you. That's All Guard Pest Controls, a proud partner with us here on Locked On Cougars. Once again, want to thank you guys here on Locked On Cougars for making us your first listen every single day. We love being with you guys, talking all things BYU, and also want to encourage you guys, your second listen should be the Locked On Big 12 podcast. It gets you up to speed on everything going on in BYU's new conference. I know they're not entering the conference for the better part of two years here. My hope is that they can find a way to get it next year, but that's probably not going to happen. But nonetheless, if you want to get up to speed on BYU's new conference home, check out the great podcast that Josh Neighbors is doing every single day. Locked on Big 12 is available everywhere podcasts can be found, and it is available on YouTube, and you guys can check that out as soon as we're done here. Now, digging more into our film review here, before we get to that, let's talk about BYU moving up in the national rankings. They're 4-0 on the season, folks, and now they are number 13 in the AP poll, number 14 in the NFF Super 16 poll, which is a newer poll that started uh, coming out, I think, three or four years ago, and then finally in the coaches poll, BYU moved up one spot to number 15, so they are a top 15 consensus team, according to all three of those polls. Of course, we all know that the poll that really matters comes out in November. That's the college football playoff poll. I don't harbor really any ambitions that BYU is going to be a playoff team. I, And that may sound like me being just, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. It may be some being negative on BYU, but the college football playoff, it's an invitational. It's for the Power Five to celebrate themselves and their top teams. And the fact that Clemson lost, they've got to be just boohooing themselves because you never want to have one of your prize pigs have two losses on the year. But that's what Clemson's done. Their offensive line is absolutely atrocious. The ACC has pretty much fallen apart. Uh, so 
We'll see what the rankings are, but BYU right now a top 15 team. Not sure there's much more you can ask for. BYU sitting at 4-0, ranked in the top 15, and now headed to Logan for another in-state game against Utah State Aggies with a chance to get to 5-0. There's not much more you can really, I think, concern yourself with. But looking more at the USF film, one thing that I really liked about BYU in this game was that as soon as uh, Harris Lachance went down, I was worried because BYU's depth at tackle, especially offensive tackle, is very concerning. I didn't feel like there was much of it going into the season. Those of you who heard my, uh, what we called them, our position previews going into training camp, offensive tackle I was very wary of. I felt like Blake Freeland and Harris Lachance, they were great frontline starters. They're great ones to have. The problem was, who were the twos going to be? I really liked what I saw from Campbell Barrington as he came in and finished out this game at right tackle for BYU. Was he perfect? No, but I actually thought that he showed extremely well and kind of backed up what I had heard about him all training camp long. I kept hearing from folks saying, that you know what, Campbell Barrington is a starting caliber offensive lineman for BYU, and the best part is he's only a freshman, so he's only going to get better, and I really thought he played well. I would expect if Harris Lachance is in any doubt in terms of this Friday's game, they would not hesitate to start Campbell Barrington, which would be his first career start in a BYU uniform, and it's kind of fun to have the Barrington brothers, both Clark at left guard and now Campbell at right tackle, getting it done. It was fun to see that, and I really liked what Campbell Barrington did. Puka Nakua had a breakout uh, breakout game, excuse me, four receptions, 102 yards, a healthy average of 25.5 yards uh, per reception. Puka Nakua looks like he is going to be an absolute star for BYU. So far in his time at BYU, the signs are there that he is going to be an absolute star in the making for the Cougars. And I very much look forward to getting an opportunity to see him develop over the next few years. I think he is going to make BYU fans very, very happy. All the skills that we saw from him at the high school level at Orem High School are there. It's evident that he's got all of it, and I am hopeful that he continues to take step after step, and at some point in the relatively near future, he's celebrating in the end zone, and that's not the first or the last time we see him celebrating in the end zone because it's really fun to see him do what he did, especially considering he uh, was injured early on in this game but apparently came back and was kind of a dangerous play. Hans Olsen pointed this out to me last night uh, or on Saturday night, those depending on when you listen to this podcast. He pointed out that when he got injured in that game, it's kind of a gator roll. The guy got his arm up around uh, Puka Nakua's neck and, j- neck and kind of just rolled with him. That's a dangerous play. So I'm hopeful that there was no uh, worse for the wear for Puka and it ser- sure seemed like he was alright because he battled right through it and as I mentioned, finished with 100 yards in the game. So nice to see that, but We'll see how things play out there. Ben Bywater, BYU's uh, middle linebacker, filling in for the injured Keenan Peely, had some very good moments, led BYU in tackles with eight overall on the night. I thought he played well. He was not actually at middle linebacker for most of the game, it felt like, because they put Chaz Ayu, funny enough, they moved him up into the middle of BYU's defense. And I get the thought process, because Chaz, he is a big-bodied safety. He weighs probably near two, near 220 pounds, and he got all the ability to play safety at a very high level, but I think there was an experiment to see how he would do at linebacker. He had his moments. He forced that fumble that BYU unfortunately couldn't recover in the first half. Had other moments where he chased guys down using his speed from that linebacker spot to make nice tackles. But there were other plays. Late in the game, he got turned around on a read option by Timmy McLean and didn't keep his shoulders square to the line and got turned around and just couldn't recover on that play. And he's not the only one who had issues with that. BYU's defensive line really pinched down hard on Timmy McLean, trying 
trying to get him down for a sack, and they did not keep their outside leverage. What I mean by that is, is a defensive end, when you come upfield, you are taught to keep your shoulders square to the line if at all possible, and keep what you call as your outside, outside shoulder free. So if you're playing against a left tackle and you're that right defensive end, when you come upfield, your goal is to engage with that left tackle with your left arm while keeping your right arm free in case that quarterback does scramble to the outside. You can disengage and you have what they call outside leverage. BYU struggled with that during most of this game. Guys like Pepe Tanuvasa early in the game very, very good, but as the game progressed when guys get tired, that's when that skill set that you have to remember as a player, okay, I got to keep my outside shoulder free, but it's tough to do. You get tired. It was a 19 play drive on that final touchdown drive for USF. I don't blame a single one of BYU's defenders in that circumstance for being gassed because that's absolutely Absolutely just a brutal, brutal stretch of plays to have to keep going play after play, and it's demoralizing. So the hope is that BYU can be better about that this week, and the hope is that guys like Tyler Batty as well as Atunai Samahe help BYU be better along that defensive line. But there are plenty of things to work on. I was very nearly a great goal line stand on that final touchdown, by the way. And Caden Hawes, filling in for the injured Atunai Samahe at nose tackle, actually had his best sequence of plays. He was actually making gap penetration every single play there. And it's kind of unfortunate that the final play, the fourth down, which Mangum, the USF running back, scored on, uh, uh, Caden Hawes actually got his best penetration of the, of the game, but was washed down. And Mangum kind of dove in right into where he was lined up for that touchdown. I really, really liked how Caden Hawes had played on that sequence, coming back after being injured earlier on in that drive. But it's unfortunate that the final play, he does get that penetration once again, but it was just perfectly, just he stepped his out of his uh, slot one step, really, and it opened that slot for Jeremy Mangum to dive under and score that touchdown. Very nearly one of those epic goal line stands. BYU did a very, very good job there. And then finally, one other note for you guys is that Clark Barrington on that blocked field goal, and the field goal, Justin Smith, he's done a good job filling in for the injured Jake Oldroyd. Who knows what Jake Oldroyd's status is going to be going forward. It sounds like he's got back injuries. Uh, many of you might recall this. If you don't, he had back injuries dating back to his time at South Lake Carroll High School in Texas. He lost his true freshman year at BYU due to a back injury, got a medical red shirt. He got through last season relatively unscathed outside of the one game that Justin Smith filled in for him. But this year, he has missed three of four games. That's absolutely concerning. And Justin Smith has done a good job, by and large, filling in for him. But on a 22-yard field goal, how in the world are you hitting that low of a line drive on the kick? It must have been a miss hit because that's no longer, it's one yard longer than what a typical PAT is, a point-after attempt for a kicker. I'm hopeful that Justin Smith just mishit that one because if that's his kicking style, you can believe the other teams are going to try and block his kicks and probably will be more successful at doing it because that came out really, really low. And Blake Green, number 17, the defensive tackle for USF, got his hand on it. But I will give Clark Barrington one thing on this play. Clark Barrington was at guard there, and he saw Blake Green go up. And actually, if you watch the play, Clark Barrington grabs his jersey, flips uh Billy Green up in the air. Is it Billy Green? I hope I, Green's the last name. And then pile drives him into the ground. So, 
Good job by Clark Barrington making the guy feel it for going high and going up over the line, but just a little bit too late because he'd already blocked that kick, and that was unfortunate. But it was a pretty impressive show of strength from Clark Barrington just to absolutely engage that dude up in the air and then just drive him into the ground. It earned the ire of USF players, obviously, but hey, if you're Clark Barrington, you're feeling pretty good about that, and it's probably going to be one of those things guys are going to watch on film and say, yeah, look at that. Way to go, Clark. But the damage had already been done with the block kick. So positives, negatives, you take it all away and you move on. So BYU now gets ready for Utah State this Friday night. We'll have plenty of coverage for you guys throughout the week, obviously getting you ready for that game. Media availability, we'll do a Tuesday edition of the podcast Monday afternoon once BYU wraps up their weekly media availability with Kalani Satake as well as a few of his players. We'll have that all for you guys and you guys know how we do here. We aim to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room and the way we do that is we are there every single day for you guys with the latest news, notes, audio. We've got it all for you. All right, coming up here in just a few moments though, we look back at the weekend that was in non-BYU football sports. How did men's golf do? How did women's volleyball do? We'll get to all of that in just a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Sweat Block. This is a really, really cool product, folks. If you have a sweating problem, I don't care how serious it is, Sweat Block is for you. It keeps you dry for up to seven days per use. It's a clinical strength antiperspirant and their goal is to make you guys dry as a bone and comfortable whatever it might be whether you have a big presentation coming up a huge first date you can have the confidence to wear what you want to wear and it makes sure that you guys are not pitting out and looking like a slob that's the goal here they also offer a dry shirt guarantee if sweat block doesn't keep you dry you get your money back it's been featured and tested on the rachel ray show by firefighters they actually walked into like fire uh came out and we're not sweating it's really really a fantastic product it's a bestseller on amazon it's been so for the past 10 years over 13,000 reviews on amazon and it is manufactured right here in the usa you can get it today and save 20 percent by going to sweatblock.com and using the promo code locked on you also can order it on amazon and it's also available on your local cvs pharmacy shelves as well in person but if you want to save that 20 percent off it's sweatblock.com using the promo code locked on check it out guys that's our friends at Sweat Block, a proud partner with us here on Locked On Cougars. One final time out here to talk about our friends over at Built Bar. You guys know that I'm a huge fan of these protein bars. They are the best tasting protein bars that I've ever had. I feel like I've had thousands of them in my life. Most of the time, I felt like I needed a gallon of milk to wash them down. It has not been that way with my friends at Built Bar. The best part about Built Bar is they're absolutely delicious. They taste like a candy bar, but more importantly, the macros on them are absolutely incredible. 17 to 18 grams of protein packed into these bars, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. They're an absolutely incredible meal replacement potentially for you guys, but more importantly, they're just a great part of having a healthy diet. That's what I love about them. You can get their nine base flavors at all times by going to built.com. Some of my favorites include cherry barcia, mint brownie, uh, peanut butter brownie is severely underrated, as well as the coconut almond. If you guys like almond joy candy bars, the closest thing I have ever had to an almond joy outside of an almond joy is the coconut 
Almond Built Bar. And then finally, the final point I want to talk to you guys about today is that Built Bar, when you support the Built brand of companies, you're supporting BYU football. All of the walk-ons, all of BYU scholarship players, they are all part of a name, image, and likeness agreement with the Built brand of companies, and they are helping BYU football succeed on the field with some extra money in these players' pockets. So when you support Built Bar, you're supporting BYU football. And by the way, you also can save 15% right now by going to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, save 15% on your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Support BYU football by supporting Built Bar. Before we go on this Monday edition of the show, let's get you guys caught up on everything else that happened over the weekend in non-BYU football sports news. Let's start off with the number 11 ranked BYU women's volleyball program. They notched their fifth straight sweep of the season, beating St. Mary's 25-18, 25-17, 25-18 Saturday at the Smith Fieldhouse. An absolutely dominant performance for the Cougars. Congratulations. The Cougars exceeded their average with 16.3 kills per set and a 404 hitting percent 404 hitting percentage. Really, really impressive. They hit the road this week for West Coast Conference action at Santa Clara and San Francisco. They will be in Santa Clara Thursday at 6 o'clock Pacific time, 7 o'clock Mountain time. I'm expecting they'll be rolling in that one once again. And I don't know what's gotten into BYU golf recently, folks, but we've talked about BYU women's golf winning their first two tournaments of the season. Well, BYU men's golf felt a little bit left out, I guess, because they went to New Mexico to the William H. Tucker Invitational. They posted a two-under final round of 286 to win the William H. Tucker Invitational at the University of New Mexico South Course in Albuquerque. The Cougars' 54-hole total of 841 was 19 shots better than host New Mexico, who finished in second place with a total score of 860. Really Really cool. Four Cougars posted top 10 finishes, led by Keanu Akina, who tied for second individually at eight under par. The sophomore had a really, really good weekend. Rounds of 74, 64, and 70, giving his, him his best finish in six events overall at BYU in his career. So congratulations, BYU men's golf. Matching women's golf with a flying start to the season. This is really, really cool to see. So congratulations once again. Uh, the men's golf team will tee it up next at the Ron Moore Intercollegiate at Colorado Golf Club in Parker. Colorado on October 4th and 5th. We'll have more for you guys as that date gets a little bit closer. And then finally, BYU Men's Cross Country, ranked number three in the country. They got its second straight meet title at the 35th annually 35th annual Roy Griak Invitational at Les Bolstad Golf Course on Friday. Uh, Connor Mance led the way for BYU in that victory. Uh, Wesley Kiptu of number 10 Iowa State. They were back and forth all day long in the 8K. Uh, finished within one second of each other as Mance uh, actually got the victory overall with a one second victory over Kiptu. So congratulations to Mance on winning the individual title. Three other Cougars accompanied Mance in the top 10, powering the Cougars to that first place finish with 34 overall points. Really, really good uh, showing for BYU. Iowa State finishing one point back in second place. Uh, the men's and women's cross-country teams will next compete at the Steve T. Reader Memorial at the Steve and Donna Reader cross-country course in Logan, Utah on Friday, October 8th up there at Utah State. There you go. You guys are up to speed. A big thank you once again for your support of the podcast as always. Hope you guys are all doing great out there. Make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked On Cougars for the latest when it comes 
comes to the podcast as well as BYU Sports. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to follow me there and interact with me, Jacob C. Hatch is my Twitter handle. And as always, all questions, concerns, comments, advertising inquiries, whatever you've got, you can email us at any time. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, and once again, a big thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Now for your second listen, get over and listen to the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors doing a fantastic job keeping you apprised of everything going on in BYU's new conference home. Get over and listen to that as soon as we wrap up here. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for September 27th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.